Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at blcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. But my name is Jacob. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to say thank you for joining us. Can we welcome our church family online? Thank you for being a part. We are in uh, week three of a series titled Behave Differently. Somebody say behave. Behave differently. You know, God uses imperfect people to fulfill a perfect plan. And it's crazy to think that he asked us to do that. But here we are trying to do it together. And, and the problem is we have to do it together. So what are we going to do? We're going to do it well together. Because John 13, 35 says, by this, Jesus said, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So I wonder what it would look like if we, how we treated people, how we are patient, which is what my dad preached on last week, how, how we are patient with one another. I wonder if how we love and how we are patient if people are wondering whether or not we're a believer whether or not we're a follower of Jesus. Let's let them no longer wonder, church. Come on, we got to work on our love. We have to work on our, on our patience. And so I want to address the third thing that we want, to, we want to move along in this series. And it's the same thing that Paul addresses in 1 Corinthians. If you have your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It's the same thing Paul addresses here to the believers um, at the church in Corinth. And this is why he's writing this letter, because there's been some issues in the church. There's been some problems that there was problems, how many know there are problems in the church today? There were problems in the church years ago. And so Paul is writing a letter because there's, you know, there, there's, there's, there's division in the church. There's, um, there's a lot of sin in the church. There's a lot of sexual immorality going on in the church. And quite frankly, there's a lot of people who are justifying their sin and justifying their behavior because of the grace of God. And so, I mean, God has given me grace. I didn't have to earn it. I didn't have to deserve it. So I could just keep living the way that I've been living because God's going to keep forgiving me, right? So if I know that God is going to forgive me, I'm just going to keep on sinning. That, that is not a way to live. Nor has, that, nor has God called us to live that way. But there's a lot of justification going on in the church. And so Paul's like, this has got to stop. This has got to stop. You see, Corinth was a very brilliant place. It was a very brilliant city. A lot of great philosophers. And what was going on is they were allowing the philosophies of the world into the church. But how many of you know that's, it's the opposite? We are to take the principles of God and infiltrate the philosophies of the world. Amen? That's what we're to do. So it's the opposite. And they were doing it the opposite way. And Paul's like, this has got to stop. you got to stop fighting. you got to stop believing differently. They couldn't agree on some of the foundational truths of Scripture. They couldn't agree on some of the basic principles of the Bible. They could not agree. So Paul's like, you, you got, we got to stop this division. And he, and he catches wind because I'm going I'm to look at verse 10 of chapter 1. But he gets wind because there's a woman in the, in the church. Come on, thank God for the woman in the church. Come on, women, thank God for the women in the church who are, who are bold to speak up. And, and a girl named Chloe was like, Paul, there, there's some issues going on because there's some people in the church that are all for you. You see, Paul established the church in Corinth, and then he left. And now some of them are like, wait, um, we really believe in Paul. But then there were some other ministers of the gospel there who, who were Cephas and, and Apollos, and they were like, well, we're actually, we're for Apollos. We're for Cephas. And some was like, well, we're just for Jesus. And Paul's like, this, this isn't it. And so this is what he says in verse 10 of chapter 1. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
that you, all of you, agree with one another in what you say, so that there may be no divisions among you, and that you may be perfectly what? United. Perfectly what? United in mind and thoughts, in how you speak and how you think. Let's, let's, let's get away with this division. And today it's time, and this is the title if you're taking notes of this message this morning, it's time to walk in unity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. And what I love what my, my, my dad just said, I, I, can sing the, I can sing the fact that, that you are good and I'm, I'm able to build something on you because I've been freed by you. And let that be our prayer today, Father, that we have been we, have, we are walking in freedom, and we're not going to walk in sin, but we're going to walk in you, and we're going to do it the best way that we can, but we're going to trust in you all that we can. And we're going to begin to uh, mature as believers, mature the things that you've called us to do with each other, loving each other, being patient with, with each other, and being unified with each other. And so we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. One more time, amen, amen, amen. Anybody excited about the Miami Heat going to the conference finals and the Florida Panthers? Come on, I know it's not about that, but I was ready to say that because, man, I'm a sports fanatic, and I'm really, really passionate about that. Hey, can I tell you, um, you know, there are things in life that cause a lot of debating, a lot of division. There are things that cause a lot of quarreling. And in my household, it's every year we get together for family Christmas pictures. It wasn't always that way because there wasn't a lot of us. Some of you know I come from a big family. Some of you know I'm married into a really big family. But long ago, the very first Christmas picture that, I, that we have um, was just, there was just four of us. In fact, that was, that was all. There was just four of us, okay? We didn't even have parents at the time. There was just four of us. Not sure how we got here, but there was four of us. Um, um, I'm, you can probably tell which one I am. Not the one in the dress or the blonde-haired one, but I'm the one in the white. Um, and then there seemed to be some more of us that gathered around the, the family and then all of a sudden we got married and then we started having kids. And so I want to show you what our Christmas photos look now. This wasn't last year, by the way, because we were missing some, some people. So I'm going to show you two years ago. This is what our family looks like now. Come on. If you don't know about me or, or the Pramos family, there is a lot of us. And I just want you to know the family that I'm married into is twice that size, by the way, okay? There, so just imagine the chaos when it comes to family photos. Nobody can agree on anything. Nobody can agree on the place. Nobody can agree on um, the angles. Nobody can agree on the color scheme. True story, uh, one year my sister-in-law had to Photoshop the colors of my shirt and my pants because I just couldn't agree. I was like, Mom, just let me wear black. That's all I want to wear is black. Is anything wrong wearing black? Apparently, yes, for Christmas it is. So um, it was just, it was chaos. Babies are crying. The women are also crying. The men are getting yelled at when they get home. I mean, there is division. And then when the photos come out, nobody can agree on the angle. Nobody can agree on the lighting. Nobody can agree on the editing. We have to redo it. Can I tell you, that looks a lot like the church sometimes. Babies crying, some of the wimp, some of the men crying. So, so come on, some of the some of us being, uh, um, you know, creating division because it, we don't really like how we feel when we arrive. 
We don't like what we're experiencing while we're here. We don't like the vision and the mission of where things are going. We don't like the song selection. And so we, we, we get fit up about the translations. We're, so we just, there's division in the church. Would you agree? This is why, this is why Paul is, is, writing, is writing this. Essentially, he's saying, you know what? This, is, this has got to stop. I want to share a passage in Psalm 133, verse 1. David writes, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Come on. How good and pleasant it is when God's people, that's good, right? That's good. Somebody say amen to that. He goes on to say, it's like the precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his, you're like, what is going on right here? It was common for them to anoint people's heads with oil. It, it was a fragrance that would bring um, good smell to everybody around and to the room around. In fact, Aaron, who's mentioned in this passage as the brother of Moses, was anointed with oil when he was anointed into the priesthood. It was a focal part of the ceremony. This was, this was um, important. It was a pleasant scent. Somebody say pleasant scent. It was a pleasant scent in the space. It was an aroma that filled the room and everybody liked it. You see, the problem is nowadays, I'll go to your house and I'm not sure if I walked into a locker room at the gym that I grew up in or somebody's landscaping trailer because you got that essential oil diffuser putting out toxic fumes and odors. <laughs> you know, I, like, I'm excited to go to your house, but, but if, if, that, if that stuff's going on, I'm like, I'm not, it's really nice to meet you, but can we eat dinner outside because I'm about to have an asthmatic attack right now. No, I'm, I'm all for oils. Okay, I'm all for essential oils. My wife uses them for the kids, okay? I'm, I'm all for them. I just, I just think it would be appropriate for you to just let me know or let somebody know when we're coming to your house what kind of scent that, that you would like to put out that we would enjoy. And for me, my response is no scent, just house scent, unless your house stinks, and then open up some windows. I'm all for, listen, I'm all for essential oils. Um, I just plug my nose all the time around my house with my wife you know, get some pumping out in that smoke machine, all right? But how, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. How good and pleasant. Interesting that David uses both words. Because how many know that just because something's good doesn't mean it's pleasant? And just because something is pleasant doesn't mean that it's good. Just because it's good, just because going to the dentist is good for you. Sorry if you work in that dentistry torturous place. It doesn't make it a pleasant experience. And you can't say, no, it does. I had to sit there and manhandle my son at four years old um, so they could brush his teeth. He said, dad, I'm never coming back to this place. Although they gave him a lollipop. So now he's coming back to the place. I see what you guys do. I know who you are. Just because uh, eating kale is good for you doesn't mean it's pleasant to eat, right? I just douse a bunch of ranch on that. Well, then I'm just eating ranch with something else, all right? And I'm not that big into ranch. But just because something is pleasant doesn't always make it good. I'm just giving you some examples so you kind of know where I'm thinking. Chocolate chip cookies are pleasant to eat, but are they good for your health? Unless they're vegan and they're one of those like imagination cookies and uh, whatever you call it, and, you know, then it's disgusting. So it's not pleasant. But chocolate chip cookie, I'm just being a little honest up here, all right? Just because things are pleasant doesn't mean it's good. Sitting on the TV or on the couch watching TV all day is pleasant, but it's not good for you. So what's good and what's pleasant? The unity of the believers. 
Turn to the person next to you and say, when you and I get along, it smells good. Come on, just, just do me a favor and just say, we smell good. Come on. Unity of the believers is good and it's pleasant. Now this passage and this series is really focusing on the believers. Certainly we have people around us, you know, we're in the world and so here we are trying to deal with people. We're, we're supposed to live peaceably with them, but this really focuses is on the believers, those in the church, those in other churches. Oh, how dare we talk about the, those in other churches. We are to live in unity. We are to work really hard. Somebody say, walk in unity. What does Jesus say about unity? Go, go to John 17 with me. John 17. In the conclusion of his conversation with the disciples before, in the upper room before he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and gets betrayed by, by one of them who's not unified with them, um, Jesus is praying for his disciples, and then he kind of moves on to pray for the believers who are to come. He, he prays for you and I. And this is what's found in verse 20, because three times in this, in this prayer, he mentions that we are to be one with each other. And he starts off in verse 11 by saying it. But then he says it the other two times in verse 20. And so I want to read this in verse 20. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, but I pray for those who will believe us in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Here it is again, by our behavior, by how we live, People will know whether or not we are a disciple or a believer of Jesus. Verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me. Again, Jesus is praying to his father here. That they may be one as we are one. Here it is again. I and them and you and me. Essentially, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. And what Jesus is saying is the people in the church need to be the same with each other. Just as I and the Father are one, you and each other need to be one. Listen to this in verse 23. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to what? Complete unity. And then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Did Jesus have a burden for unity? Yes. What is Jesus wanting for us? To also have a burden for unity. Because he's recognizing it here amongst his own disciples. And he's recognizing it in the future with the early church and even us today. You look in the book of Acts and the early church. They were one heart and they were one soul. But unfortunately, it was, this was like, I would say it this way, the rarity of the unity. It, it, was, it was very challenging to find. He saw it amongst his disciples. They were disagreeing about things. He foresaw it amongst the believers in the church today that they would disagree on things. It's like they forgot and we have forgotten the basis of our Christianity, which wasn't established on any other idea other than the work and the person of Jesus Christ. So we have forgotten that. And when we forget that and we start creating philosophies and ideologies based upon opinions and worldly philosophies, that's then where the division starts and we're no longer based upon one individual or the work of one individual. It's based on many things. Many opinions, many ideas. This book isn't just the only book. There's more books that we can pull from, Jacob, that, that'll help explain who we are and what we've been called to do. Can I tell you, that is sinful and that is wrong. It's the word of God that is the only word of God that will stand that is true. This is what we are to look to. So, so they, I think they forgot that. 
especially being in Corinth with a bunch of very brilliant people. They started to infiltrate the principles of God with the philosophies of, of the world. Warren Wearsby said it this way. We must look beyond the elements of our first birth, race, color, abilities, etc., and build our fellowship on the essentials of our new birth. Come on, how many are you thankful that you have been born again and you are a new creation? The old is gone. I'm thankful that God isn't, isn't using my past sin and he's holding it against me. I'm a new person. I have a new identity. There are new things about me. And if, if we share that, that's what we're going to focus on. Remember, who you are sitting next to today is probably who you will be sitting next to in heaven. Some of you are like, I should, you should have told me that before I sat down to this person next to me because I was not looking forward to being their neighbor for the rest of eternity. Do you have a burden for unity? Because Jesus did. And that burden, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, he says, I need you to make every effort to keep the unity. There it is again. I need you to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Listen, write this down if you're taking notes. Bless you. God did not call us to produce unity, but he called us to preserve unity. He didn't call us to create it or bring it into existence. It was already brought on. Remember, Jesus said, I want them to share the same unity that me and the Father share. So God isn't asking us, all right, church, I need you to, I need you to establish some unity grounds, all right? No, what God is saying, I just need you, to, I need you to preserve it. I don't need you to create it. I need you to preserve it. I need you to make sure that you are unified about the things. Our duty is, one, to recognize the unity that is already there, and the second thing is to preserve. So what exactly are we to preserve? What, what exactly are we to be unified over? Is it, is it song style? Is it who should be preaching? Is it politics? Is it the dress code? You see, the early church was divided. The disciples were divided. Jesus foresaw the church today being divided. So what should we fight to preserve? What should we be unified over? I'm going to give you two things, okay? Two things. Number one, we are to be unifiers of the faith. We are to be unifiers of the faith. I'm going to go back to our passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. It says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, Paul writes, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you, come on, somebody say me, point to the person next to you and say, even you, okay, all of us are to agree with one another in what we say. In other words, we've got to be professing the same truths. It's important that we agree and speak on the same things. Now, Barna Research did a, you know, we, we, we quote them a lot because they're brilliant in their surveys that they do all across the world and even the nation. And I'm going to go back to a survey I found back in 2009. Because if I can give you the, the statistics of what people believe in 2009, it's going to show you it's probably decreased um, or, or increased uh, today. So they did a research. They asked some people who consider themselves to be Christian, and they certainly had a diverse set of beliefs. Their beliefs were contradictory or their beliefs were inconsistent with, with their own beliefs. And this is what they concluded, all right? 25% of people stated that God referred to the realization of human potential. That's who God was. The realization of human, I don't know what that means, human potential. 25%. 40% of them strongly agree that Satan isn't a living being, but only a symbol of evil. 22% of them agree that Jesus sinned while he was on this earth. Well, that would contradict scripture. And listen to this, 45% don't even believe that the Bible is completely accurate. 
And we know those statistics have probably increased because of the ideologies and philosophies around our world that we're so easily persuaded by and tempted to, to walk in and tempted to, to believe. Now, I want you to know that there are, there are plenty of negotiables in Scripture that we can disagree on. There are plenty of things that we don't have to be all, all about. We can still show up to a church and, and have some disagreements about some things, and, and that's okay. But as far, we would call that non-essential Christian doctrine. But as far as the essentials, but as far as the, as far as the foundational truths, how many of you know that we got to be saying the same things, right? we got to be believing the same things. We have to be speaking the same things. Things like salvation through Jesus Christ alone. He's the only way to the Father. Or that there is only one God. And he resurrected his son. We have to believe that a resurrection could actually take place. We have, we have to believe that. We have to believe what, what scripture says about marriage. We have to believe what scripture says about life after conception. These are things, these are non-negotiables, church. We have to make sure we are sane. You see, the division is, is stirred up about the negotiables. And people, they major on the negotiables, and all of a sudden now churches are divided about things that didn't really even matter. Yes, they, they matter, but in the grand scheme of the truths that God is wanting to present, they didn't. And you've got church splits. You've got people leaving because of the, the negotiables. But the non-negotiables? Come on, we got to fight to preserve them. Amen? we got to fight to stay unified together. We have to be unifiers of the faith. Maybe you say, I, I just don't really understand it all. I don't know it all. I have a lack of understanding. That's why I don't really believe it. Well, that's not an excuse. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6 says, My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I would ask you and propose to you, is it really a lack of knowledge or is it lack of wanting to understand? Is, is it a lack of desiring to say, God, I, I want to know this. How am I supposed to be a unifier of the faith if I'm not wanting to know the basic and the foundational truths of this? That's what we're to be unified over. If I could alter a quote from the great movie Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. With great unity comes great maturity. Come on, that's good, right? With great unity comes great maturity. If I'm gonna be united with each other, then I've got to be mature in the things that I'm supposed to be mature in. And so I've constantly got to be growing. Tell the person next to you, you constantly got to be learning. Come on, you, you got to keep learning. You got to keep studying. You got to make sure you know this. Your daily fill of the Bible isn't a one-time thing on Sunday morning. You can't forget that. Man, I'm just, I'm just struggling. I got a lot of issues in my life. I'm trying to pray those prayers like you prayed, Jacob. I'm trying to sing those songs, but it's tough. On Sunday, it's easy, but Monday hits. It's tough. And Tuesday and Wednesday, and where has this thing been? Have you been seeking the Lord? Have you been praying? Have you been seeking forgiveness and repentance? Are you walking in the truths of God seven days a week? Or is it five days a week? Or is it one day a week? Come on, if you're walking in maturity, your daily fill is daily, amen? It's daily. Come on, somebody say daily. It's daily. It's not, it's not a weekly or monthly thing. It's not I just show up to church on Christmas. It's show up to church on Easter, and God has forgiven me of my sins, and I'm entered in the kingdom of heaven. It's a weekly, it's a weekly, it's a daily thing. Maturity needs to happen if unity is going to take place. Paul said, I need you to make every effort. I need you to make every effort. The only way we're going to be able to do that is we have to fully trust in God and we have to believe in what he says. This is what Romans 15 verses 5 to 6 says. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind 
toward each other that Christ Jesus had. God, help me have the same mind, help me have the same attitude towards each other that you had. So that, in verse 6, so that with one mind, with one voice, you may glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, it's good and pleasant when the church is united, when the people of God are united, but it's also glorifying God. So it's also glorifying him. It's also honoring him. It's important that we know that we are familiar with the non-negotiables. We are to be unifiers of the faith. We're to minor on things that we're supposed to minor on. We can disagree on some of those things, but the things we are to major on, we've got to major on. We've got to speak them. We've got to say the same thing. We have to be in agreement. Let me give you the second thing. But we are also to be unifiers of the fellowship. We're to be unifiers of each other. How can we unite with each other if we haven't united in what we believe? How can we say I'm for you if really when it comes to some of the things that I'm against? How can I say I'm for you but internally I'm really against you? If we're to be united in the faith because that's what we want to be, all of a sudden it begins to infiltrate the unity of the people around us. But I first have to be united with God, with what I believe. I have to be united with, as a church, what we believe. And then I'm going to be united. So this is, now this is sort of less doctrinal things. This is just how we, how we handle each other, how we treat each other. Because, because there could be people who are united about the theology and about the doctrine, but have, have no means of being united with each other. And that's not what God called us to do. He didn't just ask you to be unifiers of the faith, but he needed you to be unifiers of each other because you, we are all in assignments, and that assignment is with each other doing the perfect pl the plan and, and the will of God. So this is what, let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. God gives us endurance. He gives us encouragement, but he also gives us the same attitude in the mind toward each other. It'll result in one mind, one voice, but it'll result in, in, in zero division or little to no division in the believers. He says, I appeal to you in verse 10, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there may be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and in thought. The division that we have caused by what we have said, the division that we've caused by what we think when we show up to a place like this, Maybe this isn't your first church. Maybe you've been a part of other churches. And you know, it's not like you have, to, you have to try and find the division. You know it's there. Because there are imperfect people there. And there are perfect with their own, there are people with their own thinking and their own way of living. And when you put a bunch of imperfect people in a room, it's like throwing a bunch of people together for a family photo at Christmas time. We just disagree on some things. And we have to work really, really hard at being unified together. Jesus said in John 17, he said it three times. Again, we gotta be one. And he concludes by saying we have to have complete unity. So if Jesus is praying it, if God is using Paul to speak to the church in Corinth to say it's essential that you make every effort and abandon all division, well, then we need to do this together. Go, to, go 11 chapters uh, uh, further in 1 Corinthians. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This reminds us of the, the body of Christ. And uh, we're all part of this body, and we've got to be functioning together. We have to be doing this together. But when we function together, we all play different roles. And when we play different roles, some of us think that our role is a little more significant, and somebody else's role is a little 
less significant. Some roles need to be put on the platform and some roles need to be put behind the scenes. But I thank God for the roles that are behind the scenes. Amen? Because the scene on the platform is not what you think it is. So there's a, there's a lot of confusion on um, do, do we really need each other? Do I need you? Do you need me? Um, you know, it's like the ear saying, um, if, if, if I'm not an eye, then I don't really belong here. If the foot says, well, I'm not a hand, I don't really belong here. Nor can they say that they, that they don't need each other because if, we're, if we were just all eyes on a body with no body, we'd look like a monster. Right? Imagine if we had no mouth. Actually, in Jesus' name, Lord, help me to consume less food. Um, so maybe no stomach. Lord, I'll take, I'll, I'll take that body. Come on. Um, but what happens if we didn't have each other? We would be a body that wouldn't be functioning correctly. What if I didn't have a nose? Then maybe you could put those essential oils in my house. You know, what if I just came to my dad and I said, Dad, who's the senior pastor of our church? You know, we don't need a kid's team anymore. Let's just bring the kids in church. Um, uh, some of you would leave. Imagine the welcome team. Shout out to the welcome team who's doing a great job out there. Come on. Imagine the welcome team saying, we don't really need a worship team. Let's just take some time in service and sing our own song. It would be chaos. We, we need each other. And the body's supposed to function with each other. So look at verse 21. And I'll read this in my Bible. Verse 21. It says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unrepresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of this body. Let me read that again. But God has put together, or God has combined the parts of the body. He has assembled them. He has put them together. He has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body. Come on, there should be no. Somebody say no. No division in the body, but that its parts should be equal concern for each other. God has put the church together, and if God has built the church to be unified, then unified the church will be. Amen? That we're to, we're to work really hard at being unified if God has established the church to be unified. So I, I want to I close and give you three just practical things. Because, you know, this makes sense, all right? We're, we're unified as, as believers in what we sing, what we proclaim, what we say. But, but, but how, do we, how do we stay united together? As soon as service is done, as soon as we say amen, as soon as you're out of your way, headed to lunch, um, how do we remain united? How, how do we, with the things that we say to each other, not necessarily the things that we believe, but how do we speak to each other? How do we foster an environment of unity? What are some things that we are to do? What are some things we are not to do? Okay, I'm going to give you three. Here's the first one. Stop the gossip. Stop the gossip. There is nothing that destroys unity more than gossip. In fact, this is what it says in Proverbs 26, 20. Without wood, a fire goes out. And without gossip, a quarrel dies down. Do you want to be a part of the fighting and the quarreling? Or do you want to be a part of the building? Come on, God said, I need you to preserve the unity. And what is the way that we're going to preserve the unity? Is we're going to cease all gossip. I love what Eleanor Roosevelt, come on, Eleanor Roosevelt. This is what she said. Great minds discuss ideas. Average minds discuss events. But small minds discuss People. 
please share to me what you think benefits you and me by gossiping. What kind of reward do we get? What kind of good things happen out of our gossip? What, what do we gain from that? What happens from that? Now, there are a, a way to address issues. There are a way to, there's a way to address sin. There's a way to go about this. There's a biblical way, but most people don't choose the biblical way because they do not know the biblical way. But there is, this is, again, if great unity is going to require great maturity, that's going to cause us to dig into this word and not just read it, but study it and observe it so you can apply it correctly. With great unity is going to come great maturity. But, but we don't always do that because it's just so enjoyable to talk about other people. Some of you live in families like this. Hey, what's going on with so-and-so? You come home, you're like, I got to tell you. I have got to tell you what I just learned about your sister. Woo, come on. Bring out a glass of wine. Let's just talk about this because you're going you're gonna to need a couple glasses of wine because, because this is really good. Oh, I got some, I got some dirt on somebody. And it's like, what? I mean, just imagine if I came to you and said, hey, I got I to gotta tell you something about, about our pastor. What? What do I need to know about our pastor? What do, you know, just, just tell me. You know, so, so, so we, we, we love this. I'm, I'm guilty of this. But I also want to fight to cease it. I want to fight to destroy it. Itching ears love this stuff. And you say, you know, I'm just, I'm just listening. You know, maybe you're not the one who is always gossiping. Maybe you're a, don't you feel like you're always the one that people are coming to and like, hey, I got to tell you something. I'm just like, dude, I got so many problems in my life. All right. I don't need your problems or somebody else's problems. Just don't. But but sometimes we just, OK, you know, I'm just listening to people gossip. But don't you know that that listening might just be the beginning of fostering a, a heart of anger and a heart of bitterness? So we have to be very careful what we define as gossip. And we have to be very adamant about cutting it off. we got to shut that down. Come on. Somebody say shut that down. It's, it's, it's not good. It's not good for the itching ears. It's not good for, listen to this. Um, this, is, this is a quote by uh, Thomas Fuller, okay? He's an English scholar and historian. He said, there is nothing that so much gratifies an ill tongue as when it finds an angry heart. Woo! Stop speaking it and stop listening to it. Because it's not good for your soul. What should I speak? Oh, Psalm 19, 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Jesus. Come on, may it, there's that word pleasing again. May it be like an essential oil that's pleasing, like a fragrance, like an aroma that's just pleasing to the environment. Let my words be like that. Come on. Let my words, let my speech, let the meditation of my heart, let it be pleasing in the sight of you, God. I want, I want to stop it. And I don't want to be a part of it because gossip will destroy the unity of a church. Let me give you the second one. And then I wrap this up. Honor your leaders. Honor your leaders. Nothing preserves unity of the fellowship like following and honoring the leaders. Amen. If, if you struggle with pride, let me give you a scripture. You're not going to like this. Hebrews 13, 17. Have confidence in your leaders. hard to say <laughs> maybe not here but it's hard to say other places but have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority oh why does God have to throw the word submit in there that's just a bad word I don't want to 
I don't want to submit. Man, there is a righteous way to submit, right? There is a good way to submit. There is a healthy way to submit. There is an unhealthy way to submit. And there's an unrighteous way to submit. And there's, there's an unrighteous way to force submission. But here at the church of Jesus Christ, there's, this submission becomes something that you desire because not only does it benefit you, but it honors God. Okay, so, so let, me, let me finish this verse. Have confidence in your leaders, submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. So do this or do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be no benefit to you. Don't make this burdensome for us than it already is. Don't make it more horrible for us than it already, uh, it's not horrible. <laughs> but we gotta take some of these things home. Maybe you don't, Maybe this isn't your church. Maybe you're here visiting. Maybe you're watching online and you have, a, you have a church home. You have to really ask yourself, um, do, do I really have a hard time submitting because of, because of these things? I mean, are, are they preaching false doctrine? Is there, is there inconsistency in their teaching? Is, is there moral failure? Those, are, those would be things you would need to address. Those would certainly be issues. But if you're here visiting or this is your home or you have another place, and you believe that God has placed those leaders and those pastors under, by the way, God is, Christ is the headship of the church, not us. So if you believe that God has placed your pastors in a position of authority over you, then have confidence in them. Come on, have confidence in them. Have confidence, learn to submit to their authority. And if, by the way, if you're wondering, well, how do I know that I should submit to them? Because I don't, how do they know if they're good or not, if they're doing all that God has for them? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you to, to go back to January 23rd. Because my dad preached a sermon. We were in a series called um, The Model Church. And he preached a sermon called Influential Pastors. And he said, church member, if, if, if you want to make sure that your pastor is doing the things of God, well, he, he listed out a bunch of requirements. And so what I want you to do is go back to January 23rd. You can find it in our database or our sermon archive. I want you to listen to that sermon. And now look at those requirements and through that lens, judge us, okay? And then write us an email. And I might read it or I might not, okay? If it's bad about me, I'm going to throw it away. But if it's good, I'll read it and I'll post it up on my board. You know, so, so, so go through the lens and saying, God, if I'm, if I'm going to submit to that authority, if I'm going to submit to those pastors, I want to make sure that they're doing what God has called them. And by the way, we have to, we're going to be judged before God for what we do on this stage. Amen. We have to give, Scripture says that we have to give an account. We, we got to give an account to, to what, what we do and, and how we lead. But I want you to notice in 1 Corinthians 10, the Scripture that we've been reading and talking about, that it wasn't the, the leaders who were divided, it was the people who were divided. There wasn't division amongst, amongst Paul, Cephas, Apollos, and Christ. But Paul knew that if, it, if he didn't address it, if he didn't talk about it, it might infiltrate its way into the leaders. And certainly there wouldn't be any, any division with Christ, but there may have been divisions in some of the early church leaders and pastors because he didn't address it. So we're addressing it today because we don't want division amongst our team. We certainly don't want division amongst our staff amongst the leaders that God has called you. And, and you know, can I tell you, we do a really good job of shutting that up. We do a really good job at fighting for each other. We do a really good job at honoring each other. Come on, maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. We're gonna honor, we're gonna honor, and we're gonna honor. And I'll tell you what, it's gonna be a value of our church here. 
that we honor our leaders and we honor our servants. We're gonna honor up and we're gonna honor down. You know, there's a value that I, that I really love. It's been a value of my life. Maybe it'll be a value of your life or a value of our church. And I say it this way, I believe the best about people. I'm gonna believe the best about people. Because I don't know what's going on when gossip starts coming in, when people start saying, hey, did you know so-and-so did this, did that? I'm saying, I don't really know if they did or not. I'm gonna believe that they didn't. I'm gonna believe the best about them. And then I'm gonna personally, if I need to, I'm gonna confront it. But this conversation between you and me isn't gonna happen anymore. Because we're about, we're about honoring here. And we're gonna honor those up and we're gonna honor those below. And we're gonna believe the best about people, amen? We need to honor our leaders. And when we begin to honor our leaders, what begins to happen is we cultivate an atmosphere, an environment of, of unity. That, that's what takes place here. So we need to shut the, down the gossip when it comes our way. You know, we like when he sings. We like when, when he preaches. We like when they're doing kids' ministry. You know who I like? The individual that God has appointed and assigned on that particular Sunday. That's who I like. That's who I listen to. So that's who, I, that's who, I, that's who I'm all about right there who God has appointed. If I believe that God has appointed and assigned them, that, that's who I follow, and that's, that's who I believe. God has assigned and appointed people. Believe the best. And here's the third one, and I'll close. Start today. Stop the gossip. Honor your leaders and start today. Maybe you've, uh, you've been struggling with this because there's a lot of issues in your life, and you just, because of what's taken place, you, you have a hard time trusting and believing. Maybe today you start trusting. Maybe today you start submitting to the authority. Maybe today there's a lot that you don't really know about um, God and his word. So maybe today you start studying. Maybe you have an issue with gossip. Maybe you didn't, you did a long time ago. You don't really now. Maybe it's time to make sure that you are focusing on no longer talking about other people, no longer creating division in the church. If there's division that steps in, if there is division that begins to creep in, you stand up to your feet, church, Come on, you confront it and you get it out of here and you say it's not happening here at VLC. Come on, there is no division taking place here. You need to be somebody who helps us with that. Can you? Come on, can you? Because we are on a mission. Church, we are on a mission. If you believe we are on a mission, come on, would you stand to your feet? We are on a mission. What is that mission? Well, Jesus concluded it in his prayer in John 17, in verse 23. He said, so the world will know that you, talking to his Father God, sent me, saying Jesus, and have loved them, us, you and I, those close to God and those far from God. We are on a mission to reach people for Jesus and then help them live the way that Jesus has called them to live. That is why we are here. And so any division is gonna cause us to no longer walk in the mission that God has called us to walk in. So we shut it down. We're to be united. We are to be united, I, I hope. I hope this is slightly encouraging for you because I'm a big component of unity. I'm gonna be your biggest cheerleader regardless of not, you're my biggest cheerleader, all right? I wanna, I wanna support you. I wanna believe in you. I wanna fan the flame that God is doing in you. And I pray you do it with us as well. And I pray that you do it with each other. And so maybe today, this is like, God, your spirit has been convicting me and I have to talk to some people. I've gotta confess some things. I've gotta pray for some things. I need forgiveness. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've been harboring some bitterness and anger because you've been gossiping or you've been a recipient of gossip. Maybe you have been cultivating division because you have not been honoring. And behind people's backs, you say, hey, listen, I just don't agree with what they said. I just have a hard time. Did you know what they did? Do you know what they do? Did you know the pastor just mentioned drinking wine on stage? 
I didn't say I was drinking wine. I said you were drinking wine because you were. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying division is going to stir, but unity can, be, can stir. Come on, unity can stir. And it can be better. We can do better. And we are, we are maturing ourselves to be more like Christ, to be complete like Christ one day when we enter glory with him. But it's got to start today. Okay? It's got to start today. So I don't know what that is for you. We're going we're gonna to worship a little bit. We may have some prayer partners up front. Maybe you need to come to the altar and just say, God, just forgive me for some of the things I've done. Give me the strength to fight for unity. Give me the strength to love my neighbor better than I've been loving them. Give me the strength to be more patient with them. God, I'm building a foundation that is on you. You know that passage in Luke chapter 6 when God says, the wise and the foolish builder? When he says that the wise builder is building a foundation that is on Christ, that word building means walking in obedience. And so you want to build a better foundation that stands when the trials come, when the issues come, then you have to be walking in obedience. But you can't walk in it if you don't know it. And so God, maybe, you're, maybe your prayer today is saying, God, I need to know it more so I can walk in it more. Amen. I need to know it more so I can walk in. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that, that God, we can walk in complete unity because your scripture says it's, it's, it's creating harmony with the believers. It's good and pleasant when the, the believers of Jesus walk in unity. And so, Lord, maybe there's some conviction. Maybe today is a day of encouragement to keep going on and doing what you've called us to do. But more importantly, Lord, help us to trust in you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with even all of our strength, God. Help us to cling to you more than ever before. Build a foundation that is stronger than ever before so that no enemy, no sickness, no division is going to create separation from you. So Lord, I will build my life. Come on, I will build my life. Come on, can we worship him for a moment? Thanks Come so on. much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.